Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, and we're recording a little bit in advance so that we can uh, not be worried about this while we are gladly at the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville. And so if you're listening to this while you're in Nashville, uh, we're probably on our way home. But uh, but catch us if you see us in the airport and and come give us a hug and take a picture with us. We'd love to see all of our adoring fans um, we, uh, we, we petitioned for a booth at the Southern Baptist convention, but no, we didn't. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's make it really clear now that, that we did not, we did not, we didn't do that. We right? didn't do We're that. Joking. But I was at, we are, we are joking. Yes. I was, I was at a association in Lake city, Florida, uh, the day before recording this and met one of our biggest fans, the pastor, our first Baptist church, Lake City, and he. Uh, so, if you're listening, here's a shout out to you. And you still owe me lunch at Shirley's, which he says is the greasy spoon there in Lake City. And so, we're gonna go eat there at some point. And he, he said it's it's the what's cooking of Lake City is what he told me. <laughs> the what's cooking, which apparently is, did not last. So hopefully, Shirley's still. But Shirley's is, Shirley's is the greasy spoon of Lake City, and so we'll go there. He said he enjoys the food reviews as much as he enjoys the practical advice and help that he gets from the podcast. Well, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And speaking of food reviews, since it's in Nashville, if you go to Yelp and you look me up, you'll see mm-hmm. that I have you know, reviewed quite a few places in Nashville. Okay. And there was a season when I was there and doing some consulting work for Eastland Baptist Church, which is now Hope Church. Our good friend, uh, Jason Rombo, mm-hmm. uh, son of Johnny Rombo, the, the DOM. Jason's replanted Hope Church in, in East Nashville. So, man, it's a great church. And there are a lot of good eats right around Hope Church in East Nashville. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm hoping that we have time to really uh, catch a few good places while yeah. we're there. I'm sure I'm sure you will hear about Nashville food in a future episode. (laughs) Yes, you will. You will. It's good times. Now, do you know the story behind Nashville hot chicken? I don't. But apparently you do. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it right now. So the the story, as I have heard it, at least, is that there is this lady and her husband was always kind of stepping out on her, staying out late and doing who knows what. And she was real mad about it. And he would always come home and just demand that she make him dinner. And so one night she decided to try to punish him. And she took every hot sauce and every spicy seasoning they had and made this thing for these for this chicken and gave it to him. But it did not go the way she planned. He did not receive it as punishment. He thought it was the best meal she had ever made and invited his friends over and asked her to make it for them. And it just kind of went from there and became Nashville hot chicken. Now, is this Hattie B's story or is this just Hattie B heard that story and just kind of took the model of hot chicken? No, we'll have to look that up. So hopefully some Nashville people can hear this and, uh, and give us some clarity on if that's even accurate. But that's the... That's the story I've heard. I believe I may have heard that from Guy Fieri. 
Oh, well, yes. Our, our favorite individual, he's the president of Flavortown. And if you and I, now I have a red convertible BMW. It's a 96. Yeah. And uh, I spent more money fixing it up than I bought it for. So don't be judging me for, for having a BMW. <laughs> but I think, Jimbo, if, if you and I had a lot of time on our hands, we could just hop in that red convertible and we'd be rolling out. I'd do it, man. I would do it for sure. Finding some joints to check out some food. Absolutely. Hey, Bob, I want to follow up today. Speaking of the different context of food, here's our transition into the topic. I want to talk about the different context of our churches. We've done some great episodes with the double doc, Josh Dreyer, on demographics. The The button is open, by the way. Yes. And, and so you can go order a free demographic report. Had a conversation with Josh where he, he started to say, let's only allow one a week. And so I've negotiated and I've said, look, I'm going to ask the boot campers to not go insane, but just put it in there and know that it may take a few weeks if we get a lot of a lot of requests. And I'll email you if if you put it in and we're backlogged, I'll let you know. I'm going to try not to turn the button off again. I'm going to try to just I'll, I'll give you realistic timelines. Right. But here's the deal. The, the report is so helpful. And so we're not going to necessarily dive deep back into the report again, because we've done those episodes. But it got me thinking, one of the things I come across in my own temptations at times, as well as as I've consulted and coached others in pastoral ministry, is there is a temptation to take some sort of copycat approach, right? We see something that works really well somewhere else, or it's worked really well for us before. Like we've done it. Like we've done some sort of outreach or some sort of program or some sort of initiative or something that worked really well at some point. And we just, we, we try to shoehorn it into where we are and, and it doesn't work. I, I've met pastors that, man, they're notorious for this. Like they go to a conference and they're going to come back and implement everything that their favorite guy said immediately until they go to the next conference and then everything changes and now they're going to do it like that. And, and it just, it starts to become difficult for the church to follow and it's not contextualized to where they're at. What would you say? Do you, I mean, do you experience that? Do you see guys go, Hey, tell me, I'll have guys ask me, what is the latest missions trend that's working? And I just want to do that. Sure. Well, Jimbo, we have a background in student ministry and I think that kind of thing can work in student ministry for events, right? Yeah. And, and it tra- trends in culture and events and students have a common culture. And so I it just that tossed me back to different kinds of things that I thought about student ministry and collegiate ministry that, that work. But they're always contextual. Right. So I think for us as adults, as leaders of the entire local church that God's called us to, we have to take into account the people who are there, their interests, their backgrounds, their demographics. And we also have to take into account the unique context of the community that we find ourselves in. So what hap- what whatever ministry that Double Doc Josh is doing in Key West, Florida, it may be contextual enough to his congregation and his, his city and surrounding areas that is probably not going to work in Webster Groves. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the same thing with uh, our good friends in Mississippi and Alabama and, and Tacoma, Washington and you know, San Jose, California, it's just the contexts are so different. And uh, I think in particular, thinking back and, re- and doing some reflection 
of our our time with Josh and then some of the side conversations that he and I had. He just he he helped me by bring, being fresh eyes into my context to think about some new things and to do some different things. And so I'm I'm excited about those things that I I had never I have I've not talked to anybody who's thinking what we're thinking now and and exploring what we're exploring. Yeah, I think I think there's a real temptation to try cookie cutter things from somewhere else. And instead of taking it and adapting it into your context, just laying it over mm-hmm. partially because man, it's not easy as a pastor to constantly be thinking what, how do I best serve this community? How do I best help our people get where they're trying to get? And all of a sudden you see some guy and it's working and you go, man, it seems to be working really well there. I mean, it would be awesome if I could just read that book and do that plan, preach that sermon series, and maybe I won't get the same results he's getting, but surely I'll get something close to it, right? But the problem is it doesn't take it doesn't take different individual needs or or the even the abilities and the gifting of the people that God has given you in your flock. It doesn't take that into consideration. Spiritual maturity, historical context. One of the things I try to always remind guys. Context is not just a place, but it is also a time, right? And and so context means that we understand not just where we are, but when we are. And that even something that worked in the same place, even five years ago, may not work as good. There, there are things at Redemption that worked incredibly well for a few years and then eventually ended up not working as well over time. And who knows why that may have been, right? There's a lot of reasons that could have been. It could have been the needs of the community. It could have been the types of leaders that we had volunteering to do it. There are a lot of different things that could have led to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. It's such a key insight, Jimbo, to, to talk about context, not only as place, but as time. And here's what I would want to say to to some replanners. Um, we, we are in a new time, right? We're in a new season. And Man, I really, really feel like I'm pastoring a completely different church in a new season of time in terms of where we were when I first came, where we were when we saw God do some different things, and then now where we are emerging from COVID. Totally different time, almost a completely different church, and completely different opportunities that are before us. Yeah, and all of that has to be considered. It honestly makes me think uh, a little bit, a little bit about the the story of you know what I tell you what story it makes me think of. It makes me think of the sons of Sceva in Acts, right? <laughs> yes, right. I, I would always, I always wanted to have like a band named the Seven Sons of Sceva. Like that's a mosh pit band, right? Isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure it is. I mean, okay. it, it should be. All right. Uh, it should be if it's not. Uh, it's So if you're not familiar with the Sons of Sceva story, surely you are if you're listening to this podcast. But if you think about it, right, what is, what is this guy, these Sons of Sceva go to this demon-possessed man, and and they say that we command you, you know, by the name of Jesus and Paul to to come out of there. And, and man, it's just such a hilarious moment in yeah. the scriptures where the demon's like, yeah, I mean, I know who Jesus is, right? And I've heard of this Paul guy. I mean, we've talked about him around the Demon Water Cooler. Like, we he, he's he's on the he's on the wanted poster, right? We we know we know who that guy is. Who are you? Yes, right. <laughs> and 
<laughs> my favorite part is that I mean the story ends with them naked. I mean they get beat <laughs> naked and bloody. They're beaten bloody and naked. And and here you know I, sometimes you watch a fight. Sometimes you watch a boxing match between an undefeated champion and a YouTuber, and it goes eight rounds, and there's no knockout, and so there's some dispute over who wins between an undefeated champion and a YouTuber that's happened recently. If if you leave without clothes on, you, you, you lost. Yes, and Jimbo, this, as you're describing this story, I'm just thinking of your time in Nolens, right? Mm-hmm. Nola, there's some street fights, man. When when there are people ripping shirts off and you know, all that kind of thing. And, and so that's kind of my mind. If you are you fear if you had clothes and you're leaving without clothes, you lost the fight. You lost the fight. You lost yeah. the fight. Well, it, but it, it is such a great example of this like you you can't do something and, and you can't just claim the name of Christ and you know whatever your favorite pastor is. Hey, this 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 worked. And so in the name of golden guru of replanting Bob Bickford, I'm gonna do the same thing he did. And it's gonna work right right where I'm at. You you gotta pay attention to where you're at. One of the things I always love to point out is in Acts 17, we see the Apostle Paul in entirely different context, right? And we see him in a synagogue. I mean probably preaching the Torah, right? And then yeah. we see him with the Bereans in a deep dive Bible study uh, where they go, hey, man, great word. Let's uh, let's dive a little deeper and make sure that what you're saying is actually scripturally accurate. accurate. And then he ends up in Areopagus, and he doesn't even quote scripture. He quotes a, a pagan poet, and not even scripture, but the message has has not changed. But all in that one chapter, we see him adjust to his context. This is when Paul says all things to all people. He de- he never means that he is not true to himself or not true to scripture. He means that he is paying attention to where he's at and when he's at, and he knows how to apply that. And I think we have to avoid the temptation of believing just because something worked for someone else or because it worked for us at some other point or some other place that it's just going to work again. And, and we've got to, we got to pray through and see what, with God. So one of the things I like to do, Bob, is try to think as a missionary or as a church planter, right? And look at my context and pay attention to what's going on and think, if I were not the pastor of this established church or this replant, but if I were if I were just called to this this place right here and this church didn't exist, and I were called just to reach this community, what what would that strategy look like? And it's not going to look the same in every neighborhood. If I were a missionary, if I were called to plant a church here, what are some things you would think through or have thought through in kind of that same direction? Yeah, so I think you have to understand the community's mindset and understand how the people think in that particular area. And so let me let me give you a couple things to hang just some ideas or thoughts or or actions on. One is you you need to think about what their their blind spots are, right? Mm -hmm. And every community has some blind spots and blind spots are those things that they say about themselves, but really aren't true, or they think they're a particular way and, and they're actual, they're actually not, or they, they're thinking wrongly about life. And so in particular, one of the things that came up on our survey with Josh was that I live, the tract, the actual tract, the, the, one of the smaller segments of a, a demographic map, my church resides in, in the 15th in the people that live in that are the 15% wealth 
wealthiest population in the U.S., right? They're in that. Take the whole U.S., take the top 15% in terms of wealth, and those are the people that live by my church, right? So one of the blind spots is that my resources will equate to a great life or my resources will help me handle all the questions of life or I can pay for my problems to go away, all those sorts of things. And so, so there's a blind spot that, that what I have will add ultimate meaning to my life or will be my deliverer or, you know, those sorts of things. So, so we got to think how to address that. Another one is education in, in ours. We've, we've got the majority of folks are college or degree and many masters degree. Right. And so this continual learning uh, and this continual quest for knowledge and, and this idea of, of maybe I have arrived and, and all of those things. And I think one of the things that we're thinking through strategically is how do we ask and answer the most important questions that exist in our community today? Mm-hmm. And are the answers that we have been given or that we are finding, are those satisfactory, right? So, mm-hmm. so my preaching is going to take on a more intellectual, more truth pursuit kind of a demographic, you know, kind of a, a vein. And, um, and then the other thing that Josh pointed out too was thinking through um, what kind of people are around me and what are they like and what are they thinking. And so um, I have mentioned in the past that there are a number of folks who walk their dogs on our church lot and back to the soccer field and they get the dogs off leash and the dogs just run and, you know, use the restroom. And I'm, I'm very fortunate. I live in a very uh, socially conscious. They, everybody picks up their dog droppings, which is awesome and great, you know, cause kids are playing soccer back there all the time. But Jimbo, I was up working at the church outside and, and I was kind of frustrated. It was a Saturday and I was like, man, I don't have to be up up here. I'm doing some things outside. I'm, you know, we're, we're doing a movie night, so I, I have to put the banner up, and so I'm doing that, and it's hot. But guy comes by, walking his dog, guy that I've connected with several times, and we have about a 10 to 15-minute conversation about life, about culture, about his concerns, etc. And we're we are thinking through an approach about how to help people have civil conversations today mm-hmm. in today's culture about items that they disagree fundamentally about. So. We're, we're working on a project and I hope to, to be able to announce it to our church and maybe we'll share it with our boot, our boot campers too, just as an example of what God's doing at our church. But we want to do a, a, an event, an ongoing series of discussions that we tape and promote on, on Facebook about conversations between me and a guy who's an agnostic atheist. And we just have got a great friendship. And so I was explaining this to Cole, who's the guy with the dog, and he he was excited about that. He thought, man, that's, that's something I would go to that. I'd be interested mm-hmm. in going to that. Mm. Just so it turns out, he owns a coffee roast, a coffee roasting company, and he said if we had ever had an event, he would provide the coffee for it, and he would make the coffee, and he would be a part of it. So those guys are all senior adults, right? They're retired, mm. and that's a crew that I've never thought about reaching. Like we always think we got to build the church on young folks, and here's the, here's the reality: like we had built our church on young on young folks, and guess what? They all moved out of the the area or many of them moved out of the area because of the craziness in the area. And the people who are left behind are senior adults who still have the same questions. Right. Yeah. So for me, working through understanding your community and developing, uh, you know, ministries and all those sorts of things, the conversations and the demographics and trying to discern all that as a missionary and -hmm. understanding where the touch points are. And then here's what I would add to it. Seeing the connections Mm -hmm. that God makes. Yeah. 
are really critical. Like, so for me, the connections with Cole, the connections with, with Ron, the connections with Greg are the senior adults, the guys that I have relationships with. I wouldn't, I would have always prior to this time have thought, well, I just need to go hang out with some young dads and disciple them and help them be good dads and good husbands and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know what, man, they're busy Jimbo mm-hmm. and they're not around and they don't have time, but here's a whole population of guys now that, that really God seems to be directing my heart towards and my eyes towards. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, man, that's the exciting part is about not having a cookie cutter strategy, but taking a missionary approach is is you're going in literally having no idea where this might go, right? <laughs> yes. And, and that's that's what being a missionary a lot of times is, is we have strategies and we have ways to learn and understand communities and share the gospel and disciple people and plant churches. And we should have all of those strategies, but we have to do it in a way that we study our context. One of the things that I did at Redemption is I would always talk about uh, having a parish perspective uh, in the sense of like the old school, you know, Catholic idea of a parish. And here I'm not pulling everything from that, but here was the idea that I said, I want us to think about a geographic area that we have a spiritual responsibility for, whether they ever walk through the doors of this church or not. Yes, it moves us beyond this idea of what do I do to attract people to this church? And let me think about my spiritual responsibility for this community, right? And and so for us, there was a high, there's a high level of crime. And, and so as we started to walk around and discover some of those things, we partnered with an organization called Justice Coalition that comes alongside the families of people who have been victimized by violent yeah. crime, yeah. Been mur- murdered or kidnapped. And we partnered with them in some things and we did some other things like that and, and figuring out what those things are. And then, and then the old Blackaby thing of, you know, God's already at work there, right? Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't waiting for you to get there to do something. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he already had something going on and let's, yes. let's figure out what God is doing in this community. Let's figure out what questions they're asking. And if we truly believe that all truth is God's truth, then when people ask questions and any kind of question, right? When people ask any question, we, we can take them to truth. And when we take people to truth, we can take them to Jesus because he is truth and all truth is God's truth. And so I love what you're talking about, man, of, how do we you're you're meeting an intellectual need in an intellectual community by helping them think through critical thinking and how do we how do you how do we disagree civilly and mm-hmm. if that's going to ignite some people and that's going to create some incredible opportunities for you to think through uh, how to love that community i it's the old jeremiah 29 not jeremiah 29 11 jeremiah 29 7 right where the Israelites have been exiled to Babylon and they want to get out of there. But there are false prophets saying, hey, don't plant roots here. We'll be out of here soon. But through the prophet Jeremiah, the Jimbo paraphrase paraphrase of Jeremiah 29.7 is, hey, I want you to seek the welfare and prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile because I sent yeah. you there on purpose. Yeah. And it'll be there that you'll find your welfare and prosperity. And so care about this city, care about where I've sent you because I sent you there. Right. And, and so God sent you 
to that church at that address to care for that community. And so figure out what that looks like. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, this reminds me, the conversation reminds me of, of we're preaching through the book of Mark and in Mark chapter six, when Jesus sends out the disciples, right? He's, he's done all the ministry with them. They've been, they've watched him and then he gives them authority to cast out demons and, and to uh, preach the gospel. He sends them out and he says, don't take an extra shirt. Don't take, you know, extra pair of shoes, just go with what you got. Right. And look for a person of peace and stay with those who welcome you, et cetera, and then go. Right. And so I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, they were going to figure out ministry in the going and in the connecting and in the conversations. And so many times what we tend to do is we, especially if we're new to a setting or maybe we're just arriving at a replant or revitalization, we're borrowing somebody else's strategy and somebody else's program, somebody else's model, and that's never going to work. That's yeah. extra baggage. That's extra luggage that that probably won't work because yeah. we're going to depend on that rather than depending on the leadership of the spirit and leadership of the Lord in our lives and what he reveals to us. So I just want to encourage guys and go in with open hands, kind of a blank slate, love people, right? Preach, probably love, stay, but also do the work of a missionary and you do the work of a missionary by actually getting out and being among the people. So good. I just encourage you, whatever way you can do that, make that a priority. All right, guys, we hope you have a great week. We look forward to telling you all about the great food we find in Nashville. Yes. Upcoming episodes. So keep going after it, doing the nitty gritty work of replanting. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.